G'day and welcome to another episode of the Beyond the Message podcast. My name's Lockie and it's really my job to help us navigate those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message so that you can grow your faith. Today is a really interesting topic. We're talking about suffering. And Chris and I really tackle this conversation head on talking about suffering. And I want to give you a bit of a spoiler um, for this episode and Chris talks about it at the end. But I want to let you know that if you've ever had a question about your faith, if you've ever struggled to realize that God might be real or what he says might be true, I want to let you know that that's okay. That when we actually confront these topics head on and we talk about them, our faith actually in the long run grows stronger, not weaker. So with that in mind, we really hope you enjoy this episode and we'll see you at the end. Well, g'day and welcome to this next conversation. And today we're unpacking part one of two of the messy middle. And we're joined by Chris Podlick, a communicator here at Beyond. Chris, how are you going today? Mate, fantastic. How are you? I'm really well. And I've noticed that you've got a new desk placement um, for your room. I don't know if it's actually, if it's new, but you've just given me a quick tour of your room and it's, um, Mm. it's new. Now I will say it's a bit of a CEO move to put your desk in the middle. And to, you know, when you walk into someone's like office and the desk isn't facing the wall, it's actually facing people as they walk in. And it's like, it's, it just, for me, it represents like success. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I can assure you, um, I'm sitting on a stool jammed up against the wall. Okay. Um, yeah, normally, normally I, um, I actually sit on the other side of the desk. It just so happened this week. I was doing some filming and the Batman backdrop behind me, which people won't be able to see in the podcast, I look better on the video. So I made this little wedge for me to fit in. Um, yeah. Yes, definitely not a power move at it, all. It, yeah, but it's just, it just represents that. Like it's in the movies where the, the desk is, is there. I don't know. It just yep. seems a bit more successful than me. I saw a funny meme recently that um, talked about like your life being put together based on where your bed is placed in the room. If your oh. bed is like in the corner, you like haven't got your life yet together. But if your bed is like in the middle of the room, you do have your life together. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so that was a fun, another funny one because I've actually just upgraded in the last few months from a bed in the corner to a bed in the middle. And I do feel like my life is a little bit more put together. Probably right, unrelated yeah. to the bed placement, but okay. it just so happens. That's fascinating. See, for me, it's more of a practical thing as I'm sure it is more of a practical thing for you now. Um, yes. Yeah, like one, like if someone needs to go to the bathroom in the night, like you need to be able to get out each side. You do, you do. But also if you're so, single, it doesn't matter too no, much. No, it doesn't matter. You, yeah, exactly. You can have the wall kind of locked up. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but anyway, there you go. Just a bit of, bit of placement furniture, kind of interior design to get going this podcast. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're kind of tackling an incredibly complex topic, I would say today. And over the next two weeks with Beyond a Home and this podcast. Um, mm. And Chris, you kind of love suffering or probably should say you love the topic of suffering um, <laughs> within, within faith. Uh, it's something that I've, since meeting you, I know you've not shied away from um, kind of attempting to build a church around, uh, around topics in which people can engage with. And, and suffering is one of those kind of topics that um, people, you know, need to kind of answer or need to kind of discuss to really discover the depth of it, mm. I would say. Um, so yep. Chris, where does your kind of 
fascination with suffering or a kind of ability to actually talk about it head on come from? I think probably uh, for people who are new to the podcast or maybe who don't know me so well, um, one of the things I love is like philosophy and particularly apologetics, which is um, essentially giving reasonable answers to curious questions. And I think one of the the questions that people who are um, exploring faith or against faith have is like, well, if God's so good, why is, why is there suffering in the world or why do bad things happen to good people? Um, and so for me, that's always really fascinated me in the study of, um, well, what's the reasonable answer for that? Like, how does, how does Christianity seek to answer that question? Um, how does it stack up against other worldviews? Uh, is it a reasonable answer? Uh, and so I, I've always just really loved exploring and looking at a whole bunch of different approaches from a whole bunch of different thinkers and um, looking at scripture and trying to understand um, the way in which scripture addresses it. So for me, it's, it's more of a, like a, um, I think it is a really, really big challenge to the Christian faith. Um, I think it's one of the few things that if you're an atheist, I think is a reasonable objection to have like kind of, Hey, ask me how Christianity solves or answers the problem of suffering. Um, and so, yeah, I like to spend a lot of time trying to understand um, what, it, what, what a reasonable response is to that kind of problem or that challenge. Awesome. That's, uh, that's really cool to hear, Chris. So we're going to jump into our four questions of our full Monday um, so that we can actually really take some steps this week to grow in our faith. And the first question is actually talking around this idea of optimism. You had this story from Beyond at Home where you talked about, um, I forget his name, was it um, Stockdale? Yeah, Admiral Jim Stockdale. Fantastic. And he, um, he was a prisoner of war and he talked about, uh, had some comments on optimism. So if you want to find those out, go check out Beyond at Home from, from this Sunday. Um, but the question I want to ask here on the podcast is, um, is optimism unhealthy in the context of faith? It's a fantastic question. Uh, the short answer is no. The long answer is it depends. So let's let's kind of go with the with the long answer. It's very vague. Um, I'm looking forward to see where this goes. <laughs> and so so where that question comes from is is um there's an author called Jim Collins and he asked Admiral Stockdale because he was in a prisoner of war camp for eight years. He was tortured over twenty times. It got to a point where he disfigured his face so that he couldn't be used um, in the North Vietnamese propaganda machine and. And Jim Collins kind of asked him, like, how, how were you able to survive? And then he asked him who didn't survive. And Stockdale said, well, the optimists, because they were like, we're going to get be home by Easter. And then Easter came and they didn't go home. We're going to be home by Christmas. And then Christmas came. And he said they just kind of died eventually of a broken heart. Riding on a false so, kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and so... I think optimism is an essential part of faith because we believe that God is in the process of redeeming the world and he's in the process of bringing all people to know him. But where optimism can be detrimental to our faith is when we get so focused on God doing all of that, this side of heaven um, that we kind of believe, Oh, everything's going to be solved in the here and now, like everything in life is going to um, be taken care of in this moment. And we, we fail to address the reality. Um, and as um, Stockdale kind of said, the brute facts of life in this moment. So it's almost like we, um, we hold onto the future so much that we actually let go of what's actually happening right now. And that's when I think um, optimism can begin to be detrimental to our faith um, because we, we hold onto the future so much that we, we actually miss the reality of what's going on. And I would say it's almost a, um, 
what what needs to occur is almost a shift in our perspectives um, to to a little bit more of, and this is going to sound so Christiany, um, and and I don't mean it to, but like almost this eternal perspective. I think some Christians have this idea that it's almost like this dualistic thinking, like oh, I'm living life this side of heaven, and then I'm going to graduate to heaven, and then things are going to be different. Um, whereas Scripture never kind of talks about that. Scripture says everything that everyone does is lived in light of eternity. So what happens when I die is I don't become a different person. I just change states of being. So um, all the decisions I make now impact eternity. And so I'm living actually in eternity right this moment. Um, And so what I think is most helpful to Christians is to see that this short snippet of life we have, you know, the 80, 90, 70, however many years we have is really a microcosm in light of eternity. It's really a short snap in, um, in light of eternity. And Romans 8, 18 says, um, uh, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he um, will reveal to us later. Mm. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think optimism is really, really important, but understanding it in an eternal perspective. Because if we don't have an eternal perspective, what happens is we don't have a lot of resilience because something bad happens, something terrible happens. And we think, oh no, like God's not in my corner because something happened in these couple of years that I have right now. Yeah. Wow. Cause heaven's going to be pretty sweet. Um, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you, just having a party in heaven. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed in heaven. No, it's going to be sweet. And, and when you, I don't know, when we have the wrong perspective towards what heaven is, it, it, it goes two ways for me. One is that um, earth doesn't matter as much. So like, I don't really have to do a lot and I can just wait for heaven because that's going to be yep. great. Um, yep. And so that way I could probably disengage and I lose sight of like the, the purpose and the mission of what life is. Yep. But actually one for, for our generation and even the, the one coming up, I think that is going to be particularly hard to deal with is this idea um, that heaven is actually going to be really good and that you don't have to cram all the good things into your life. Now for yes. me, like I want to go to Spain and like Mexico and all these like places in the world. But like at the end of the day, if I don't go to them, if I don't, fulfill that need in my life it doesn't mean i've like i actually get to experience much greater things in heaven like i like like that's only a taste of what heaven is going to be all these great places and experiences and for me what's been really helpful is to um you know it's a blessing if i get to go do these things and have to have great experiences but i know that heaven regardless what i get up to on earth is going to be phenomenal and it's a really, you know, it, you can either go both ways. Like I've got to cram everything into earth in my life here, or I'm going to do nothing. Um, but again, that eternal perspective with hope mm. for the future is, um, mm-hmm. is, is really important. Yep. Totally agree. Cool. So moving on to question two, this one is referring to some comments made um, at Beyond at Home talking about sin and suffering. And fundamentally, Chris, do Christians believe that there is a relationship between sin and suffering? We do. We do. And what I'm about to say next might, it might seem a little harsh, but um, you know, if you're tuning in, listening and you kind of think it sounds harsh, don't, don't click out. Just let me explain. Um, Cause one of the pushbacks to suffering in general and God is like, you know, the, the, the question we talked about right at the top of the episode is like, why do bad things happen to good people? And Christianity actually holds the idea that there are no good people. You know, that every person who lives is separated from God. Um, that there's a separation between humanity and God and that Jesus actually entered into history on our behalf to restore that relationship. 
Now, I totally get that that seems harsh, right? Like, there's what do you mean there's no good people? <laughs> I mean, right? Chris, like, you're, you're a good bloke, right? Yeah, we like to think, you know, you're a good bloke, Lockie. I'm a good bloke. The people we hang out with are good people. Um, but, but here's where I kind of find the difficulty in that process of like good people and bad people. It's like, well, first of all, you have to answer the question, how do you define good? And at what point does someone move from bad to good? And can someone who did something bad move back to being a good person? Like, um, and, and what would someone have to do to become bad? Like, for example, we could probably all say, well, surely murder is bad. You know, if you murder someone, that's, that's pretty bad. But are there any steps that I could then take in life to become good again? Or like, what's the line of like bad deeds? Like is pulling, is cutting someone out off in traffic bad? <laughs> and someone might say, well, it's not really bad. But what if then I was to say, well, the person they cut off in traffic missed the opportunity to say goodbye to their parent because they were 10 seconds late Mm. and they miss that opportunity to, to say goodbye to their parent before they took their last breath. Is that now a bad act? Like, and so it becomes this really, really tricky, like conversation yeah. of, well, well, what's good? What's bad? How do you move from good to bad? And it sounds nice on the surface, but when you dig below, when you dig below it and you plummet steps, you start to kind of go, wow, it's actually quite hard to define what good is and bad is. Yeah, that's uh, it's so interesting, Chris. I'm just going to jump in right there because I feel in the kind of, I'm going to call it the teenage phase of becoming a Christian. For some of us, that happened while we were teenagers. And in that phase, you're discovering life. You're playing with it a bit more and you're very curious. Uh, for some people, faith is new. And so you might be in your 40s and you're kind of entering a teenage phase of your faith where you're beginning to explore and work out what it is. And I think that we all start to ask the question, what can I get away with? And, and what, what would put me from good to bad or how far can I push this thing to, yep. you know, to not actually sin or do the wrong thing. I know I've definitely been there and asked my fair share of questions about mm, technically, is this okay? What's, what's the line yep. trying to find it. Um, so I just thought of that as you're talking there, Chris. No. And, and I get it. And that's, and that's probably for me why I, um, I don't think it's a satisfactory answer for us to kind of say, Oh, well, um, like let's start to label people as good or bad because there's just too much variable and there's too little consensus. Like, um, and I don't, again, I don't really like to flex um, the the sort of study that I've done, but uh, you know, I've written um, quite in depth, like postgraduate level, pieces of work on this. And so I've read a lot of the current literature around the problem of evil and what's good and what's bad. And there's just not consensus from people who don't hold a, a a faith perspective. Um, it's really hard when you pin them down and you sort of say, well, what is good? What is bad? Define, define that. Um, it gets really, really challenging even in the academic literature. So if academics who think about this stuff all the time can't come to that consensus, then I think it's really hard for, for those of us who, um, who aren't absorbed with this 24-7 to, to even begin to think that there's a, a way we could kind of navigate it. So for me, um, I like to hold to Romans 3.23 that just sort of says, well, everyone has, um, has sinned or everyone has done something that separates them from God's standard. And I don't actually don't think that's such a controversial statement. Um, cause I'm, I'm sure some of our listeners can probably think of times just like I can, where I fall short of my own standards. And if I fall short of my own standards, then I've got to believe that God has higher standards than I do. So if I fall short of my own standards then surely, 
um, I fall short of God's standards. Yet because of the work that Jesus has done on the cross, then then I'm declared righteous mm. or right with God. And for me, I just think that's such an easier way to understand things than what's good, what's bad. How, how does this whole thing fit together? There you go. You must've done a lot of that postgraduate writing from your CEO desk um, in its power <laughs> stance there. Um, oh, Batman was watching over me a lot when I wrote this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to add there as well. Like you mentioned like God is actually calling us into a higher standard. So he's let, he's like his um, version of good is higher than, than ours. But on the other side of that, I think that he's actually calling us higher um, just calling us to a, a higher life than what we thought we were capable of. So potentially you might be thinking like, Oh gosh, I already struggle with my habits or my addictions or my behavior. How could God expect more of me? Like I'm already sitting here going, I think I'm like, I know I'm failing as it is. Um, but the flip side of that says that God is actually calling you to your higher potential saying that he wants, he, he sees more in you than you could ever see in yourself. He sees that there is more goodness than you could ever believe for yourself. Um, and that's kind of what gets me through in faith is knowing that there's, you know, knowing that there is a lot of discipline that goes into it, but through that, the fruit is also a lot higher than I could ever kind of manuf- manufacture for myself. Yeah, that's good. Um, was there anything else there between sin and suffering? Um, I know we can probably talk about that for a while. We can touch no, on I think further. I think this is probably one of those conversations that you know there's so there's libraries written on this stuff. So I think um, <laughs> if we kind of go in and uh, just touch around a few things, give pe- give out give people who are listening some something to grapple with. I think that's probably probably um, yeah, good good starting point. And, and believe it or not, the Beyond the Message podcast is not an academic source. You probably can't reference this in your uh, no, you know, you postgraduate or your undergraduate studies. You might uh, be able to reference Lockie, but you definitely can't reference me. Oh, that's Chris. for sure. I've got a cert for it's okay. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're working towards something bigger. It's okay. Um, it. So moving on to question three, um, there are things I think in faith that uh, you know we can we can undermine our faith things can get in the road. Um, so what are some of the common things or just myths that can actually undo or undermine people's faith? Mm, and, and kind of keeping with this theme, I, I thought we could kind of, you could almost have an entire podcast on myths um, and things that can undermine people's faith. But I just thought for this, given what the message is, I think there's this myth that like, well, if you start to follow Jesus, then you're going to be free from suffering that hardships won't happen to you. Um, and it can kind of be taught that, well, you know, if, if there's bad things going on in your life, then maybe you're not believing enough or praying hard enough, or you don't have enough faith or there's something wrong with you. And I, um, I think that's a terrible myth that uh, I'm going to say well-meaning Christians sometimes push. Um, but it's also just a myth that's kind of out there in general when it's definitely not in the teaching of Jesus that if you follow Jesus, life will be easier for you. In fact, you probably find the opposite. You know, Jesus says, Hey, if you want to follow me, um, you need to take up your cross. And the cross in that culture was an instrument of torture and death. Um, so, so Jesus was very, very clear. He's like, Hey, weigh the cost of like following me. Cause it, it it's going to be a bit challenging. It's going to be a bit tricky. And also that there's nowhere in the new Testament that, 
taught teaches this idea. In fact, I think you would probably be laughed at if you went to one of Jesus's earliest disciples and said, Oh, Hey, you know, if you follow Jesus, there won't be any suffering. They would have been like, what? Like Jesus didn't say that. Like we don't say that. And I think one of the clearest examples of this is in Acts chapter five and and Acts kind of like details the growth of the early church. And um, there's a group of like Jesus followers who have just been flogged essentially by the Jewish high council for talking about Jesus in Acts 541. It's one of my favorite verses. Um, It says the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. So they've just been flogged. And the, the first century followers response to suffering was that I cannot believe that I'm worthy enough to suffer for Jesus, which is a complete flip to often what we like um, 21st century Christians kind of think they're like, Oh my goodness, I'm suffering. Like, why, why would I have to suffer? Like I'm a Christian. Jesus should have my back. And (laughs) For the first century followers, it like that would have never crossed their mind. Like suffering meant Jesus wasn't in their corner. Um, so what's the what's a modern day parallel for that scenario? Because like yeah. we could take that message and I could go, oh, I'm just going to stand at the corner of Queen Street or the Rundle Mall, wherever you're listening from, your main street in the city, and just start shouting about Jesus. And then if someone tells me to shut up, I'd be like, Oh, I suffered for my faith. Someone told me, you know, like I just don't see that as parallel. What is like, where's a scenario really practically where I'm actually going to be like suffering or put out for my faith, like 21st century North. That's a a great question. Like, honestly, if if I'm just, if I'm being real and I maybe, maybe I'll re-listen to this in a couple of weeks (laughs) because, because this is a question I I didn't think of beforehand. I think, Oh no, maybe you kind of could change your mind on that. Chris off the top of my head, North Brisbane, I don't think there really are, is too many scenarios where, where you're suffering in the way the first century did. Like, I think we would honestly have to go over to the Middle East where it's outlawed and it's illegal and, you know, or, or in, into the underground church in China where your life is at risk. Cause that's what, that's what is essentially happening here. Like physically their lives were at risk in the first century in some areas for following Jesus. Um, People might kind of have a dig at you. People might kind of laugh at you. Your feelings might get hurt in North Brisbane. Um, but it's not typical for your life to be endangered in Australia because you're a Jesus follower. What could we do to take it more seriously? Um, because we that's a blessing that our life isn't in danger. How can we take that call more seriously to not necessarily put our life in danger, but to um, maybe experience some of those same emotions of, of putting yourself out there for your faith or sacrificing for your faith. Oh, well, for me personally, I think the one thing that I sort of hold to is that it's at least, at least in um, where we're fortunate enough to live um, that when we're, not going to be persecuted for our faith. Like for me, I'm like, Oh, well, why wouldn't I share it and talk to people about it? Cause the worst that someone's going to say is like, you're an idiot or I don't agree with you. Like, or I can't believe you'd buy into a fairy tale. Like for me, I'm like, Oh sweet. Like that's the worst that's going to happen. Like no one's going to pull a gun on me. No one's going to try and like bomb my family. No one's going to try and like, yeah, I'm not going to lose a job or anything over it. Like, 
for me, it kind of makes me more open to sharing my faith because I know the ramifications for someone not being on board are so minimal. Mm. Yeah. It's cool. It's really good. It's a good question to ponder actually in your own life. Maybe we can't give you the answer like for yourself, but potentially at home or in your car, you could be thinking about what does it actually look like to take my faith to the next level? Or what does it look like to, um, yeah, go a step further in my journey, which hopefully we are really helping you to do that through beyond church. Um, that's the, the goal of beyond is to take people deeper into their faith so you can become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Did I get that right, Chris? Did I recite that? All right. (laughs) Too good. Um, to wrap up question four, how does Jesus fit into this? We love talking about the old J man. How does he fit into the suffering picture? Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things for me that I, I love about Jesus is the way that Jesus addresses this, this tension or this question. Um, cause I think before I get to it, if I could just kind of flag something is that, that every single worldview has to answer and has to address the challenge or the problem of suffering. Okay. Just because someone says, well, I don't want to believe in God because they're suffering in the world. Great. That's done nothing to address. Well, based on your worldview, how do you, how do you account for suffering? Cause if you believe that, um, that there is no God, um, and, and the technical term is like that you're, you're probably a naturalist that like the natural world is all that there is. There's nothing beyond that. Uh, then really you've just got to say that, well, uh, suffering is just blind chance and there's no greater meaning. There's no greater purpose. It just sucks. And that that's got to be, um, that's got to be your response. So, and some people are happy with that, but for me, um, you know, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right um, through Christ. And then he he kind of paints this picture of what that looks like because he talks about like the way Jesus addresses suffering in um, in Hebrews, in Hebrews 5. Um, and he says this, let me find it. I have use the wrong passage. So give me a second to find out what passage I was supposed to. No, we're just providing the listeners the raw experience of podcasting. You know, don't always get it right. Man, that's silly of me. How did I miss this? <laughs> Hebrews. I thought it was, maybe it was, sometimes I feel a little bit. I'm keeping this in, by the way. We've got to know that okay. our pastor sometimes gets the Bible a little bit mixed. Yeah. Look, sometimes, sometimes I don't have it in the right order. And I can't <laughs> for the life of me, I swear it was verse 15. I oh, know it is. It's um, no, it's not. You sometimes think, no, it is. Sorry. It's chapter four, verse 15. I don't know why I had five fifteen. No, so, that's okay. You're yeah. forgiven. And it's, it's five fourteen as well. Anyway, Common mistake. So yeah, yeah, common mistake. Don't worry, guys. Nothing that flipping <laughs> through your Bible can't can't fix for you. Um, but it's um sorry yeah. So this is the 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 picture that the author of Hebrews um, paints for us. They said so. Then we have a great high priest because this is um, probably a Jewish author. So a high priest is kind of a a picture in the Jewish kind of um, faith. Um, who entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours stands, uh, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. 
So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And for me, the way that Jesus seeks to address suffering is not just overcome suffering through his life, death and resurrection, but he also seeks to let us know that in life, that, that the God we're following isn't disconnected or distant from what we're experiencing. And I think whenever you look at every other worldview and world religion, it, there's no satisfying answer in my opinion. Um, like Islam sort of Allah is like this being that is to be obeyed, like a never, never entered into history to do anything about it. Um, you know, Hinduism and new ageism, we're supposed to try and escape suffering essentially and kind of resist the idea of suffering. So there's no person who enters into our suffering to, to help us understand what we feel and, and new age thinking and mysticism is kind of like, well, you've just got to have the right mentality and, and, and suffering is really the byproduct of you not believing enough and thinking the right things enough. So that's why suffering's in your life. And so Christianity kind of takes a different route and doesn't try to ignore it. Doesn't try to kind of sidestep it, but just says, Hey, well, Jesus actually entered into our suffering um, to suffer alongside us. And so we can, um, know that what we're going through, we can, we can take that to God because it's not foreign to him. I would say my favorite name for Jesus, there's plenty is Emmanuel, um, which does mean God with us. Um, if you know that, that is the truth of, of Jesus in this picture of suffering. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good that we can talk about this, Chris. Um, mm. If there's anything, if there's just one more point or one more kind of, even just statement just to give, because I know you can often leave these complex topics feeling a little bit unsure, um, but we are trying to do our best to just unpack it in a way which you can engage with it. Um, but what would, what would be like a lasting just encouragement to someone who is maybe having questions about their faith in light of what suffering means in faith? Yeah, no, I think for me, it's questions are good. The fact that you have more questions is a sign is a sign of, maturity not not a sign that that something's wrong i think sometimes in at least in church world it's kind of this idea of like well you know are you doubting your faith like well hang on a minute thomas doubted his faith and if we read um if we read the biography of jesus just a couple of chapters earlier thomas was ready to go to war and die for jesus like and so doubting is not this negative it's not this bad thing it doesn't mean like your faith is valued less in fact if anything it means you're kind of exploring and leaning in i'm always a lot more cautious of jesus followers who don't ever have any questions about their faith because to me it's kind of like well what do you, do you think you understand it all do you think you know it all like questions are fantastic because it shows that you're engaging it shows that you're trying to process this through so don't ever feel that because you've got questions or because there's areas of faith that you're unsure of for some reason that makes you have a lesser level of faith. That's just not true at all. Yeah. Well, that's a really powerful way to kind of finish this episode um, because it is a big, big, big topic. Um, but just leave with the encouragement to know that questions of faith are, are not a, a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of growth. I would say um, once again, thank you so much for, for jumping on the podcast Looking forward to next week, wrapping up this little series um, with Riley Brown. 
always a pleasure. Um, is that, is that, that's right, I think, we're having Riley on. Riley is on the podcast. Riley's on the podcast. I love when Riley's on the podcast. I love when everyone's on the podcast. I wish we could all just be on the podcast. Um, but anyway, I hope you have a great week, Chris, and um, take a break. Take, take, a, take some time off. You've had a big, uh, big run with Beyond at Home. So um, sit back and enjoy next week's. Can't wait to listen to the podcast. See ya. Well, thanks so much for tuning into the Beyond the Message podcast. We really hope you got something to apply in your life from the conversation that I had with Chris. We're really looking forward to having Riley back on the show next week, but we'll see you then. For now, check our social media out, connect with us online, and we look forward to seeing you next week.